Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, producer extraordinaire, guitar enthusiast, Cameron McCoy. Um, also, Battlefield enthusiast. Apparently, apparently, you hit Battlefield pretty hard today. I've got some coworkers like that's their jam. I just want to feel accepted. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Give into the peer pressure, Cameron. I yeah, like it. Yeah. Um, the bigger question is, I don't even know what the current battlefield is. That's how far out of the loop I am with that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Which which uh, one is it? We're on twenty forty two, which is probably battlefield fourteen by now. I don't even know. They hit a reset number where like it became battlefield one again because EA. <laughs> no way, no way. Meanwhile, hey, I mean the most recent Call of Duty uh, campaign was a fantastic. Brief six hours, and I have yet to think about it since. It was uh, a, <laughs> it was a nice little puff of smoke, right? It's it's the modern day Tom Clancy novel, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And on that topic, I did get a uh, hardback, really great edition of Rainbow Six, the hard like the Tom Clancy novel. All right, for a quarter at the thrift shop, Cameron, brand spanking new. I'm pretty stoked. There's a theoretical chance it'll be the first time I, I've started many a Tom Clancy novel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Finish zero. <laughs> you ever, you ever, you ever downed one of those? Never. Yeah, and it's weird because I, I do like thrillers and political intrigue and all of that. Um, I end up <laughs> sounds so pretentious. I end up reading like Le Carre instead, uh, like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That's I don't the think thing. that's pretentious. That, that, okay. <laughs> I, think I think that's a really common sentiment. Yeah. Um, I mean, he wrote thrillers too. Like, it, we're not talking about, like, if you were to hit me with, you know, I only prefer James Joyce, then okay. Maybe we're having a different conversation. But, like, <laughs> they're on the same bookshelf. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Though Tom Clancy, the vibe I've always been told is early stuff is, a, like, it got a lot not as good as it went on. It's like a ghostwriter came in at some point. Yeah, well, and I think now, well, because Tom Clancy's been passed away for a while. Yeah. Those books are still churning out. Shout out to the publishing industry and their Tom Clancy Presents, written mm-hmm. by some dude you never heard of. Anyway, um, dude, we have a new set that just came out, a new set that's coming out, and uh, that is our existence. Um, lots to talk about in the world of Magic the Gathering. Uh, looks like, I mean, you're really our reporter in the field on Explore. And I love what you have to say because it's super positive so far. How's it been going? <laughs> um, so far, so good. Um, I shot through the Platinums here, um, all on the back of Mono Green. Um, that deck is really, really good. <laughs> Like, sickly good. Um, If you can just hold on to turn four, I mean, there's very little that gets in the way as far as slowing you down. Um, Even if, like, you're playing against, like, a blue-white control and they wipe the board. Oh, look at that. I still have eight mana to play with. And look what I have in the graveyard. Another, you know, and, like, (laughs) just... Storm the festival or whatever. Recast from the festival and away we go again. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really good deck. Um, I've been having great success with it and 
yeah, I, it, I don't, I don't know if Nykthos is actually the problem. It's an enabler for sure. But like when we're looking at like all these other things that are happening in Explorer right now, um, I don't know, man. Like I, I think it's just on par. It's like right there on like what some of this other stuff is going on as far as like the green red stuff, which is just incredibly fast and powerful. Um, there's still like the blue red deck. There's still burn, which is getting better and better every single time I play against it. It's like that deck's really getting refined. Black red is still a thing. So, and then like, you know, the things that are just like busted, like the elementals deck, um, uh, the, what is it? The grinning Ignis deck, you know, like Mm -hmm. those things still exist and, nothing you for stopping you from playing that and winning a lot of games with that deck so um mono green is great i don't think it's like over the top i mean it's over the top but i i think it can be shut down but it is one of the best things that you could be playing right now uh so i don't know if you're an objective source on this anymore cameron nope i'm not um, <laughs> uh i'm i'm worried i'm worried that you were the data point where they're like uh, this guy <laughs> Seriously. Shot through platinum? Oh, oh. <laughs> They've got the cigar hanging out of their mouth. Mother yeah. of God. <laughs> uh, so I, 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 like, I like the idea of Explorer. I just find myself a little still burnout on some of those cards, so I've been staying away. Mm-hmm. Um, is Urza Blink also a Explorer deck that I don't know about? Like, Explain uh, this to me. Yeah, so I mean, it is an Eldrazi Displacer deck, is essentially oh, what it is. But it's playing the new Urza Lord Protector with the Mindstone Weakstone combo thing that you can do. And really, you're just putting Urza on the board just so you, you can get to a Mindstone Weakstone on turn four. Like, I mean, three into four, it cast one less. You know, it's like that sort of, it's really, really, really good. Um, but then you're just playing like Eldrazi Displacer and just a bunch of blink effect type uh, cards, Charming Prince, Skyclave Apparition. Um, yeah, like this uh, card that I wasn't familiar with, but I saw on a lot of lists, which is Touch the Spirit Well, which allows you to blink your Mightstone and Weakstone. So right there is like some incredible removal you can do just because most things that are really, really good right now... Um, Minus five, minus five is going to take care of it. Um, so anyway, like this is a really fun deck. I would say it's not a great deck, and it definitely needs some refinement. But on its face, like this is the sort of thing that I, I do love. I love Blink Effects. I love Eldrazi Displacer specifically. Uh, going into that until the Reflector Mage, dude. You know, I mean, what are we talking about? This is this is your jam, right? I was going to say, like, literally, I'm just pulling up the list now to copy-paste it into Arena, like, yeah. after I get off this call. Like, this yeah. is probably going to be the rest of my evening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> you're bringing me a lot of joy, is what I'm trying to tell mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So, Listen, you're going to lose against Mono Green a lot, but uh, this is a lot of fun. Like, this is, like, the fun deck of the week, I would say. Uh, it's probably okay against Mono Red, is what I would guess, but if you can get set up. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, with like Charming Prince and there, there's enough like life gain and everything, you're fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, also, I, you know what? I like just about any deck that just mocks 
the Eidolon of Great Revel thing. Like, oh, that's adorable, right? Like, that. to this day, I wish Night of the Reliquary was good enough anymore because that's yeah. the kind of card that I miss. You know, just being like, okay, yeah, you've got your 2-2. I've got a 7-7, and now you've got to catch up to me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. No, that seems that seems really cool. Um, all right, so Cameron, I want to just talk about standard very, very quickly because I really don't. I, you know, I, I feel like I've kind of vacillated a lot, but I, there are more decks in this standard than a lot. Um, however, I found myself really not enjoying it, and I think it's caused me to play really poorly. Um, I also feel like I'm in this like the whack a mole mode. Like, I go to play Grixis, and then I get housed by Mono Blue Delver. Then I'm like, okay, well, now I'll try Mono Blue Delver. And then, oh, paired against Mono White Soldiers three times in a row. You know what I mean? And then you're just like, awesome. This is cool. So I keep feeling like I've got almost all the major decks. I'm playing them out. I'm having not very much success and not very much fun, and those things are kind of all going in a blender for me to really not enjoy the gameplay. And I really find that... um, one of the big problems I have is almost every standard, and really every game of Magic, there's an inflection point where the game really turns, right? Like someone mm-hmm. gets an advantage that's so insurmountable that it takes really a lot. I find that happens really quickly in this standard, that there are times where you're just like, okay. And I looking down the barrel of um, All Will Be One, I'm worried that this is going to get worse. Um, because of the Planeswalker pass- package combined with the fast lanes that we're getting, it's like when you're behind, you're going to be really behind. Yeah. Uh, and look, I- I'm telling you, maybe more than half the decks I play have Fable of the Mirror Breaker. I am so tired, so tired of that card. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, again, I understand why they're not banning it just from a perspective of what they're trying to do with standard or where they need to go. And I don't know that they, the, the PR for lack of a better term on the format can afford it. I don't know that there's been a card that's been this good, this long, that's been allowed to be in standard since. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> wasn't it? I mean, that was like a, a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like I'm, I'm that might not get banned. Like what's the last card that got, was it collected company maybe that was oh man theoretically yeah. bannable, but didn't actually get hit. Like, if, if it goes its entire length without hitting it, I think that's a genuine conversation to have is like this card is so far above what everybody else is doing and it drives Grixis aggro, Grixis control. And I mean, now there's like these like blue red decks that are kind of artifact centric, but you're still playing, of course, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Um, you know, in the mono blue deck, I think is like if I were to just go and play Friday Night Magic and that Friday Night Magic happened to be standard, like you can spend like thirty dollars and have this deck right i could bust out my old korean delver of secrets that i have still stashed away um and it's a it's a perfectly fine deck i just find the matchup against mono white to be really not great unless you hit very specific subset of cards um but it's fine um (coughs) but i did go to a live draft all right cameron so i want to set up my week for you so Thursday night, I played in a very quick flesh and blood event. Like it was literally, I showed up to the shop like an hour before, and they were gonna, they ended up having an eight man. But before they were like, "Hey, you want to do like a quick four man 
like just two matches, whatever. So I did that and had the time of my life. Okay. So, uh, but I'm like, you know what, Curtis? Dominar Remastered seems like a sweet set. And I'm going to go Saturday night and I'm going to play. I have some very positive things to say about this set. Okay. But I want to get this out of the way. I was very confused about the pricing structure. And maybe someone can enlighten me on this. But I've heard anything ranging from $5 a pack up to $15 a pack on this thing. On the draft boosters. So I don't know what different stores are, are charging. I was like 30 bucks plus tax to play in a draft. And I know other stores were going down to like 20 25 bucks in my area. So I don't know if this is a new reality with three master sets. But I sit down to draft it, and immediately I'm drafting Storm. And the good news here is Magic is an awesome game, and this set is a really fun thing to draft, okay? You don't get to draft Storm and Paper outside a cube ever, mm. mm-hmm. right? And there were other really awesome ar- <coughs> archetypes. I played against a Blink deck that was super cool, right? I played against a Goblin Sacrifice deck that was also cool. So there's a lot to like here. Um, I really think this is probably a set that if you're a collector, you could probably justify picking up some of these cards because they are very cheap right now. I did open a Vampiric Tutor, uh, which is the first time I've ever opened a Vampiric Tutor. And I was like, sweet, it's 100 bucks." Um... I had forgotten that it had been imprinted multiple times in the past five years. Mm-hmm. And it's the new artwork. So it's a $30 card. It's a sweet open. And you know what? I'm going to throw it in my trade binder and forget about it, right? And then mm-hmm. two years down the line, sell it. I also opened it in Exploration. And I got a really nice, sweet, old-school foil promo counterspell. So, hey, really great. I went two and one. Fun time couple of beefs the biggest one cameron the card quality like the actual stock Mm, of the printed paper and i i googled this i could not find any verification i don't know what the deal is i was told quote oh curtis you know all master sets are like this i don't know man these cards seemed really bad and my buddy who i was with he's like i don't really i can't tell i can't feel it so i get out a flesh and blood card and i'm like here and he's like oh wow this is way more sturdy i'm like Mm -hmm. exactly and and it's not just flesh and blood or whatever like my family's been playing a ton of dominion lately so i've handled those cards but you know as you know once you've handled enough magic cards you kind of have a sixth sense for it oh yeah yeah and it feels like they're very sawdusty, like there's a weird texture to them. So I don't know if anybody else had this experience, but whenever you're paying like a premium for these packs, mm-hmm. you expect them to feel honestly like a standard booster pack that you open up, right? Yeah, or like Magic cards did for 20 years. Yeah. And a player that was there at the shop was like, oh, they're this way because they're printed in Europe. I think, A, there's no way that's true. Um, for those of you who are, are geographers out there, I am about as far away from Europe as you could possibly be. <laughs> and I can't imagine it's cost effective to ship cards, but what do I know? You know, I'm not a, a logistics person. But 
part two of that is when I was in Europe, a lot of the things like the paper products and stuff were much higher quality than what I was used to in the U.S. And I can't imagine that that's super duper changed. So maybe, again, I'm off base. I don't know what I'm talking about. But the quality of the uh, really bothered me. And I would say this, and this is not to throw shade at my opponents, but one of my opponents was clearly an ex-tournament player and had all the telltale signs. Card placement, the way he shuffled his cards, the way he moved the cards in his hand, the way he tracked life, the way he said okay and communicated and didn't communicate, right? Mm-hmm. My other two opponents, I would say, were clearly from... <sighs> A, a different perspective in playing Magic, meaning more casual multiplayer, what it, you know, Commander mm-hmm. Q, whatever you want to say, but like that vibe, right? Mm-hmm. And when I'm in those moments, it's not uncommon for me to hear negative things about old school tournament Magic or old school tournament grinders. Perfect were we? No, we were not. I'm never going to claim that, Okay. But I do think there was a value add that competitive tournament magic had to the form of playing the game. And just things like where the graveyard goes, how you handle your hand, how you mulligan, all those. And it's such a weird thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. But the games just kind of felt sloppy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to talk about it like really outside of that, but to say... I, that's a thing that I think we're, we're missing, the kind of snappy nature of tournament FNM and like what's considered the best practice, yeah. right? Um, that and honestly, decor- that, that, that consistency is kind of necessary for the game in order to keep everybody on the up and up, you know? I mean, yeah. yeah. So I heard a lot of like take backsies and hey, let's both not mulligan and, you know, this kind of thing. And that doesn't sit well with me, Cameron. And again, people talking about proxies, which I know, again, when you're playing casual magic, I have no problem with that. But again, when we're talking about anything being on the line, I'm not involved with proxies. Like, I'm out. Mm -hmm. Right? Even if Watsi is apparently in on proxies, I'm out. (laughs) Sure. So anyway, that was my, my brief rant about taking a stand. For the tournament grinder and some of the things that they've added to the game, right? And it kind of felt missing while I was, you know, in this mode, in this moment, right? And um, anyway, so th- there's that. But it, it was a good time. And like I said, I, I would recommend drafting it. It's just, man, it, I feel really weird telling people to collect a set because we don't know how much this stuff is going to get printed. We don't know mm-hmm. what this is going to be worth down the line. And... I, I mean, obviously, if you're after some of these cards, you can get it. Like, if you're after a Vampiric Tutor, now is the time. You can pick one up for, like, 25 bucks. Um, but I just... It, it's a great experience. Last thing I'll say with this. How in the world is this not on Arena? Seriously. Like, how many years have we been doing Arena now? Three, four? I mean, yeah. it's been a while, right? Like, why is every product not coming out on both? Yeah. You know, I mean, I know Arena is technically free to play. Just charge me. Like, <laughs> you're 20 bucks. You get the cards. You get to play a tournament. Go. Is that is that bad? <laughs> Am I, like, that I want to just pay for the product? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, like, again, it's one of those things that's like, could we have had this instead of alchemy? Like, you're, you're always forced to do that calculus as a player. Like, they have to generate a whole new set of, like, 80 cards for alchemy every set. Like, could that have not just been Dominaria remastered on Arena? Yeah. Yeah. What a bizarre... I would, I would love to know what the decision-making process was on that. All right, so Cameron, spoilers. Tell you what, there are a bunch of, there's a ton of Planeswalkers on this page, okay? Mm -hmm. I just picked two. If you feel like doing a different one, that's fine. I do want to mention the Fastlands are back. So that's Seachrome Coast, Razor Verge thick, uh, Thicket, um, the old Scars of Mirrodin Lands. Um, we had a version of these in <coughs> Kaladesh as well, the other colors. Um Weirdly, you'll notice that these look like they have a lot of like thumbs on them. Uh, these got opened in Dominaria Remastered packs. So they were somehow there was an either it, intentional or accidental, but it ended up in these things. Um, I will say that this these cards in the past have resulted in a very aggressive standard, mm -hmm. like um, very very. Um, Obviously, Cobblade overlapped a little bit with Sea Chrome Coast, um, but some of these other things were much faster uh, cards. And then, you know, of course, uh, the the Fastlands and Kaladesh were like, you know, the black red vehicles, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, what do you think of the Fastlands, Cameron? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it, it is what they are, right? <laughs> They're going to be fast, and I agree. Like. Just looking at these cards, like it's definitely one of those things. Like we're gonna have a very fast standard with the painlands and these. Um, I mean, I almost feel like I mean the triumphs are gonna be there, but like you know, like there's so many other cards and lands I specifically that are just gonna, I think, speed up how quickly you cast um, your Fable and Mirror Breaker. Sweet. Sweet, I'm so excited about that. Or wedding announcement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right, dude, so uh, which one of these two that I picked out do you want to read? I'll just do uh, Kato. Kaito? Kato? Kaito. Kaito. Kato's the guy that was with OJ. It's a long thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dancing Shadow is a uh, planeswalker for two colorless and a blue-black Loyalty starting out at three. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you may return one of them to its owner's hand. If you do, you may activate loyalty abilities of Kato twice this turn rather than only once. Plus one, up to one target creature can attack or block until your next turn. Zero, draw a card. And minus two, create a 2-2 two -two colorless drone artifact token creature with death touch. When this creature leaves the battlefield... Each opponent loses two life, and you gain two life. Um, all really good. I mean, there's a lot of shenanigans that happen with like the when the the creature deals the combat damage. But I will say, just playing this Urza deck, um, the Urza Blink deck in Explorer, the ability to activate a Planeswalker's um, activation twice is not nothing. It's very, very good. Very, very powerful. Um, and so being able to just draw two cards, you know, that can net some major value. Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot of shenanigans that have to go in order to that for that to happen, right? 
Yeah, and by the way, there's some matches where you're just going to play this and plus it a bunch. Yeah. Right? Like, that's just, like, if they are just a, you know, one creature that they are, like, really a revolving around, um, this is a pretty reasonable thing to keep yeah. plussing and, and kind of lock them down. I mean, uh, obviously, you're right. There is shenanigans opportunity, but, like, I just wonder, as a control deck, are you just going to do the plus and the zero and then... Hey, whenever I feel like the game is closing out, then I'll, you know, then I'll minus. But mm-hmm. I, I, it, it, the first paragraph could be the entire card, or it could be a thing that never matters. Yeah, which is wild yep. to think. Um, yeah. So look, the Eternal Wanderer. The, 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 this is kind of becoming my jam of a Planeswalker. I want to live in a world where. This kind of cre- this kind of planeswalker is good. I'm worried that it's not. Let me read it. Four white white for a legendary planeswalker, Eternal Wanderer. No more than one creature can attack their Eternal Wanderer each combat. <coughs> Comes in with five loyalty. Plus one. Exile up to one target artifact or creature. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of that player's next instep. So a blink effect. Uh, zero. Create a 2-2 white samurai creature token with double strike. Minus four. So you can activate this right when it hits the board. For each player, choose a creature that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control not chosen this way. So a pretty interesting... I mean, contr- I mean, this feels like straight up a control planeswalker, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's just a wrath on a stick and then really it it feels like very normal for you to go... Minus four, zero, zero, zero. I don't know that the plus will really matter that much. Depends on what other cards, like, you know, if there's if there's some kind of, like, low-level effect, like the um, Lauren of the Third Path, which is probably the most prominent one right now, that's a white control card that is a cheap ETB effect, right? What do you think of this thing? Uh, I mean, I know we're talking about standard right now, and, yeah, it's... Like, I love this card. Um, gives me hints of, like, Elspeth Sun's Champion from Theros block oh, yeah. when, oh, yeah. you know, just six mana, heavy-duty Planeswalker. Um, but if we look at something like Explorer, uh, where my headspace is constantly at, this in, like, a Fires of Invention deck is mm. just nasty. I mean, Fires, you know, you get those two activations of the Fires, blink it out, cast, cast, then, you know, it comes back in. Um, Wrath effect on top of that. Like, there's so much on this. Double strike creatures, not nothing as well. So, um, this is, a, this is like, a, one of, like I said, I think it has potential in, like, the, uh, the older formats as well. Yeah, I guess with the, the Jeskai Fires... That we're talking about an ancient of treachery version, right? Not a yeah, um, yeah. Uh, not the other ones, which are the ingomatic. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, blinking an agent of treachery would probably be okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I've done that before a time or two, <laughs> and it's worked out for me. So yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say that that's the case. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, so far, this set is interesting. It's been I, leaked, spoiled. I don't know what it is when they accidentally put it in packs. Oopsied. <laughs> yeah, oopsie. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Cameron, let's get out of the segment, come back, and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, are you ready? I am. You'll notice that my portion of the show notes is blank. Do you know why? Oh, gosh. Uh, football. That's right. It's time okay. for our annual Cameron's Playoff Pick'em. Pick'em? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Not only... See, you don't know enough about sports and sports media to know that sports betting and gambling has completely like seeped into every element of it to the point of incredibly obnoxious. Like, it's the way that magic has been completely inundated with commander and everything has to be talked about in terms of commander. Sports is like betting. So we can't talk about strategy. Mm -hmm. We can't talk about what team matches up better or like what play they're typically running. At least it's a lot less. We got to talk about who is minus the spread and why. And uh, it's murder, Cameron. <laughs> that being said, I've got, I've, I've got my normal challenge for you. <laughs> there are teams in the playoff bracket. You get three strikes, mm-hmm. and I'm asking you to get five of them. Right, and if I'm not mistaken, there are—is it twelve teams? Something like that. Anyway, there's plenty to choose from. So, mm-hmm. Cameron, sometimes you can do this. Sometimes you pull this off. So I'm giving you five. Yeah, yeah. Three strikes. Go. Uh, we gotta go with the Chiefs. Ding. All right. Yeah. Uh, I accidentally scrolled it on the New York Times by something about the Colts. <laughs> no. Incorrect. Okay, maybe it was an upset (laughs) or something. (laughs) That was the story. Oh, I was scrolling through the post and... (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The New Yorker had something. Uh, Let's see. Um, Cowboys. Cowboys are in. All right. Um, Oh, gosh. Uh, Tom Brady's team. Is that the tap- Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They are Tampa in Bay. the playoffs, yes. Okay. So, okay. two more to get it right, and you oh. still have two strikes to work with. The suspense is killing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go Western. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. They did not make the playoffs. Oh, sad. Chargers? Chargers did make it. They what? got eliminated last night, oh. but they did make it. Okay. Um... Oh, man. Seattle Seahawks. They made it, Cameron. What? You did it. You did it. Two strikes on the line. Clutch. Came in, got it done. I'm so proud of you. Just want to say geography really paid off just going up the coast. There you go. There you go. Here, here's the thing that I think that will surprise you the most. There's a, there's a quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? His name is Trevor Lawrence, okay? Okay. There is an alarming fantasy novel deep cut reference that, they, that is his nickname. <laughs> okay? Okay. They call him the prince that was promised. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> 
Somebody was reading some deep lore on the George yeah. R. Martin blog and liked it. Like, what percentage of people watch the NFL that know the in-depth prophecy <laughs> of the prince that was promised? Like, you know, like I was that even mentioned in the show? I don't think so. That's a deep cut, though. Uh, deep. I mean, that Venn diagram, it, it meets somewhere in the middle. <laughs> somewhere, yes. So, anyway, um, Cameron, I'm, I'm, my heart glows for you right now, man. Yeah. I mean, who knew guessing could be so non-randomized? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, I'll mention um, TV-wise, be jealous for my wife. She's just done the first episode of Narkina 5 on Andor. So she's got two more episodes nice. of the prison. Yeah. Has not yeah. has not experienced it yet, right? But Okay, yeah. Was this willing or did you have to did it take convincing for her? Or was well, she, she didn't just... like the first two episodes, which going back and listening to our interaction, we were like, Yeah, I don't know what this like we liked it, but we didn't mm-hmm. love it. The love sets in in like take, episode yeah. like five or six where you're like, Oh Yeah. This is yeah. for real, for real. Um, and convincing my coworkers to not try and be on their phone while they're watching it. That's uh, important. Anyway, so Cameron, you've got some rabbits here on your list. Yeah. Uh, who knew that like the XCOM game that I have always wanted, the next XCOM 3 or whatever, uh, is actually Mario and Rabbids, uh, hope, sparks of hope on the Switch. Um, so this is the sequel to Kingdom Battle, which came out, gosh, like the first year on the Switch. Yeah, it was minute. really, really early. And I really, really liked that game. Um, it did a lot of really interesting, fun things for a turn-based strategy type game. Um, the Sparks of Hope does some really interesting things that kind of elevate it. And it, they're actually like really surprisingly in-depth in a way that like that first XCOM is where like, I'm really getting a sense of satisfaction completing some of these missions. Um, so the rabbits are like the weird French Ubisoft product. Um, mm-hmm. and they meet up with Mario. I don't know what the story is. Like the, it's beyond me. I don't care. Uh, but like, it's just turn-based strategy. And like, instead of doing like grid based sort of movement, Everything is kind of like in like these bubbles and that's how you kind of move your character just as far as like the distance that you can go and the great like little spins on all these things of like you can like see what your your char- other characters will do within those movements so that you can kind of like maximize the battlefield or get across the battlefield as quickly as possible. I mean like that layer of in depth I mean like it's just so good. It, it's just so weird that it's a coat of paint of like this Mario game with rabbits, like, you know, just this weird thing. But like, like I said, the strategy on this is like really elegant. Like, I mean, masterfully executed in some ways. I am like shocked at how much I'm enjoying this game. Um, I, I mean, I think I need to like revise my best video games of the year, which it wasn't like a big list, but this is definitely like on that top five because it's just, it is some great strategy. So I feel like I missed out on that. And the XCOM team made a Marvel strategy card game called Midnight yeah. Suns, yeah. which we I haven't touched at all because I am super behind on my gaming. Um, I spent a lot of my spare time uh, on 
these card games, these dadgum card games, that I'm a little bit behind on my gaming, and uh, yeah, I got to catch up bad. Uh, Neon White also came out on PS5, and I'm thinking of rebuying it just to kind of get the little bit of a boost. Like, the Switch handles it, but the PS5 is, uh, especially in terms of load times, a little bit more efficient of a machine. That Switch is definitely starting to show his age. Um, I don't know how much better, like, the Switch OLED is, but, like... That is that's something that is noticeable. Dropped frame rates, like you wouldn't. That it doesn't really matter on a turn-based strategy game, but you definitely notice it with like <laughs> the villains, like literally stuttering because like the hardware just can't keep up anymore. So that that system's definitely uh, in need of. Uh, I can't believe it's almost five years old now. It's crazy. Uh, I is think it it's older than that. Sit? I think. It, oh gosh. I think it. So it came out in 2016, right? Was it 16? Okay, I thought it was, yeah, winter 17, maybe. I don't remember, but. All right, so we're going to, man, like, here we go, like, here we go. Yeah, I'm going to say February 17. All right. Um, March 2017. Okay. Yep. So, and then, then Breath of the Wild one game of the year that year, right? Because it was okay. the first year. Because yeah. it launched with the Switch, right? That's right. And yeah. that was like the only thing. <laughs> the <laughs> like, only thing to play. <laughs> there was like that weird moment where there were more copies of the game sold than Switches sold because everybody knew that they were going to get it, so they would just buy it and wait mm-hmm. for their Switch. Um, so I do want to just mention my first ever Saturday PTQ for Flesh and Blood is yeah, Saturday. Yeah, dude. So... Uh, for those of you who abla, I'm playing Icelander, and I'm planning on getting my head kicked in. But I've already pre-purchased my ticket, um, and so they're capping it uh, at 24 players, and they're already maxed. So, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and I just hope I don't horribly embarrass myself. But yeah, dude, I, I'm, re- I'm ready. To, yeah, I'm ready to. Uh, have you come down one day, hand you a deck. I've got multiple competitive decks because I've got a problem. I've got an actual problem with me as a human being. And I can just be like, here, Cameron, I already know what kind of deck you're going to play. Mm-hmm. I've already got this all mapped out for you, <laughs> right? I just know, man. I just know. So um, anyway, so that's coming. I'll probably talk about that a little bit more in depth next week. I'm thinking about either doing like a... Um, side post credits thing or maybe i should just write it and post it somewhere a guide for magic players to get converted like what you need to buy in what order because i think that is super obtuse and difficult to know and sometimes things are really really difficult to follow if you're around people that are just used to buying all the things right and they Hmm. just oh yeah you know buy this hundred dollar staple and this hundred dollar staple and i think there's a much more efficient way to go about it so anyway, awesome, yeah. Um, and you know, submit that to someone. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, surely someone out there does flesh and blood articles. So anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about your playoff pick'em and the point spreads you have down for these games, mm. where can they find you? It's all on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. <laughs> I thought you were about to like. Out of nowhere at sportsbet.com.net. <laughs> yes, I was trying to think of that, but I wasn't clever enough. <laughs> um, and I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at Spike Feed MTG. We'll check you guys next week.